Welcome to the Keystone Collective Podcast. Whether you're a dedicated athlete or simply curious about life's boundless potential, this is your destination right here. Every episode, we're here to break down limiting beliefs and empower your journey towards becoming the best version of you. Let's get going. Tyler Tilly, it is amazing to have you on here. How are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a great day. It's a Saturday. I love Saturdays. Saturdays, I think most people, you know, when they say they live for the weekend, it's like, why? What are you going to do? You don't have any plans. You're not doing anything. How can you be excited about doing nothing? You know what I mean? Like the the Monday to Friday people, Mm -hmm. the ones that complain Monday through Friday and then complain about the weekend that it was too short. They just come alive, like, they by the come... end of the day, Friday, and it's like, what happened to you? Like, Yeah, but but then just to, you know, try to sleep in and drag their feet and, nah. Honestly, like, the, the weekend for me, it's like, another week. I can I can almost be as, as productive Monday to Friday as I am Saturday, or Friday night through Sunday. And that's taking right. Sunday off. So it's really just like a Saturday that's just like... Set yourself up for success, right? So we work really hard mm-hmm. Monday through Friday to make sure that Saturday is prepared so that we can, you know, trade off with yeah. uh, time so that we can work on business or family. Like, so we still try to do a little bit of family stuff, but we primarily just have Sunday to be our family day. Yeah, we're about the same. Saturday, usually we're up pretty early, um, just getting stuff done that we've needed to all week but haven't had the time because we got work. Uh, school, family, all that stuff. So Saturday is not the off day. Saturday is the extra work day. And then Sunday's family day. So you can enjoy Sunday. Like it's it's the, the times that we don't do that or if, say, we, one of us was something happened that, like, really threw a wrench into, you know, making sure that we were cleaning up and getting everything ready. We, if we have to start doing some of that on Sunday, the next week is just brutal because it, it like it just stacks all of those extra stresses on top of you know you don't even have that day to actually try to recover right yeah it's uh you it's important to rest there, yeah. there is something to be said about like having time or even if it is a day set aside just that so you can recharge how, how do you do that though because honestly like i hate resting like even even when i'm sleeping it doesn't really feel like my mind is at ease for different reasons, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like if <coughs> I just go, 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 go. And so when it's time to actually rest, it's like, it's really hard to Chelsea told me that actually, she was like, you know what? Like if you, if we didn't have kids or something or like you'd, you'd be a complete workaholic and not necessarily in like a bad way. It's just that I'm really passionate about everything that I am doing so that even in bed, it's like, well, uh, yeah, I got to make sure I do this. Like I really, like I would go up and do that if I could. So it's nice that we have a routine and we have, you know, our priorities secured so that I'm not overworking to the point where relationships are being sacrificed. Mm-hmm. But how do you, what's your take on that? When do you, when do you feel like it's uh, time to rest? Uh, I mean, for me, it's always Sundays. I feel like, um, I don't know, for me, there are days where it is hard to rest because they're, you know, you've gotten so much stuff done and you want to maintain the proactive train, I guess, for lack of better terms. But um, I know that you're a guy that likes to prioritize things, right? Um, And I think that most people 
who stay proactive have to prioritize things in their day. Um, and so you have to be able to use that mentality for, for rest as well. You have to be able to prioritize your rest time, knowing that you need that and how much you need that to stay proactive throughout the week, right? It's, it's a mental game. It's a physical game. Um, for, for some people, they just do hobbies. They don't even sleep. They just, you know, play guitar. They watch sports. They, they do the simple things, right? Mm-hmm. Some people do sleep. Like, for my dad, um, he works on hunting stuff and sleeps. What what do you think is the importance of having hobbies? I think that, um, I don't want to say it's an escape from the world, but it's almost like it's something that you can control, right? In hobbies, it's something that's that's off to the side, that's personal to you, that you're growing in. Um, uh, For me, um, I love music. Music is my thing. I love sports. Um... And I have a, actually have a really nice guitar in the back that I got a couple years ago, and um, I think as time goes on, the more that you do it, the more that you practice, you start to see um, your own growth, and that's very rewarding, mm-hmm. right? I, I feel like people get stuck though. Oh, sorry, um, I think people get stuck comparing hobbies and vices. And, I, and, and then I've, I've had some really interesting conversations about that because they say that they're like, example, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's smoking, maybe it's vaping, maybe it's um, being on your phone or, you know, wh- whatever it is. And they, they say like, they almost converge on each other where it's like, it's also my hobby. Like I love doing this thing because also it makes me a better person. And if I don't have it, that I'm not as nice or I'm not as you know I'm not as chill and I feel like that's a weak excuse you know what I mean like a vice is a vice and you shouldn't you shouldn't be comfortable having a vice I feel like the whole the whole purpose of understanding that it's a vice is so that you can make a plan to remove it right no I I think I think that oh man as soon as it becomes a dependency that's where that's an issue yeah but I think people overlook that people overlook that so much yeah like if you're first of all i wouldn't classify smoking or you know going to the bar on a friday night or you know on your phone on social media a hobby but as soon as as soon as anything in your life um you become dependent on it for your functionality for your positivity for your productivity for anything as soon as you become dependent on it, on almost anything, I will say almost, almost anything, it becomes something that's negative because mm-hmm. you can't function without it. That's a well, bad you know, thing. I, know, I think even, because I think one of the things that popped in my head when you said like almost everything was like, <coughs> excuse me, um, like a dependency on God. And I feel that, like that can, go, thing, yeah. th- that can go both ways though because there, there's plenty of cases where that dependency on God has gone too far to where mm-hmm. now... It is unhealthy because you cannot just rely on him for everything because we have agency. We need to practically do the work ourselves with his inspiration, guidance, and help, right? So, you know what I mean? Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, in some of, like, cults, an example, right? There, there's a lot of terrible things, and they would say that would be something like a flag that they wave. It's like, oh, yeah, we depend on God to tell us everything. I don't think he, te- I don't think he told you this. I think I don't know if this came from him. I'm I'm quite certain that, and that can yeah. be very bad. 
that could, that that's could very be a bad, bad thing. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people, um, you know, in in the religion that I'm a part of and that you're a part of, you know, we believe a lot in, in you know, revelation, personal revelation. You're, bit, you're able to talk with God and get answers just from going to him. I feel like in, I've seen this a lot. In, I've seen this occasionally in my own life, especially when I was a, a missionary up in Canada, um, is that people can become almost paralytic when they're trying to depend on God to tell them what to do because they're like, oh, well, I can't start unless I have this obvious thing, this you know, huge, giant light bulb that goes off that's like, oh, this is revelation, right? This is from God. Then I can proceed. And they get stuck in that cycle. And, I mean, even he says in the scriptures that we shouldn't be slothful. We should do many good things of our own free will, right? We should still seek him out and depend on him. But I think there's a line, right? Mm-hmm. If you... If you can't function your daily, your you know, your, on your day to day without him, that's a problem. Right? Yeah. Interesting. Um, I wanted to. I, I just. I heard something. I heard a theory. Okay. Yesterday. There was this this gentleman, this man. He recorded himself. Okay. He was home, and he asked Alexa a question. He said, "Who's going to win the 2024?" American election. Do you do you know what Alexa said? Tell me. There will be no election. There will be no winner. And the, the I, I, she went on a, like a uh, an explanation. But in short, if a civil war gets like approved or enacted or whatever legality from the government, there is no election. So it makes you really question the stuff that's going down in Texas right now. 25 states against, you know, how there's a few remaining that that don't support protecting the border. And if that causes a civil war. Yeah. You're the American here. Is there a truth to that? Like, is there, I don't know the constitution, but I, I, I think I heard that if there was a civil war that enacted that they would not have an election. if, If there's a war, there's no election. Yeah. Um, this, uh, the second that um, the United States is in a state of war, the election just goes out the window. Um, now, I'm not involved enough in politics and the legality of it to know how that would work. Because, I mean, we've been in a state of, war, state of war my whole life, but not on American soil. Right? Mm-hmm. And well, so, the last one, was that not the Civil War? Yeah, that was the Civil War. And yeah. so... Um, this could like is that what, that's crazy though, that's mm-hmm. crazy. I don't even know what's going on. I don't live in Texas, but even just from what I've what I've <laughs> seen from different um, sources on X, it's crazy. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media, especially Instagram, of people who are from Texas who are rallying the troops. They're, and, they're actually uh, they're, they're, there's a, they're doing a convoy. I think they're heading there right now. They're they're from going from Florida, all the way to Texas. And okay. truckers, it's another trucker convoy. But the difference is, I don't think I don't think Biden's going to freeze and steal their money because they're so-called terrorists, as they did in Canada. Oh, <laughs> you know, I was there for that. Oh my goodness, yeah. I was there for that one. Um, yeah, we'll see how this plays out. There's a lot of different theories for what's going on in the uh, American political world. I mean, Trump, Nikki Haley, all the stuff that's going on. It's, uh, we'll see. 
right? Yeah. Election's well, not did, till November. He just so. the the court just ruled he has to pay that lady eighty three million dollars. For him, I'm pretty sure that's pocket change. So regardless, <laughs> it's eighty three right. million dollars. <laughs> yeah, she's got she's got a life made right now. Oh my gosh! Well, she's eighty. What? Okay, so that's you know what I mean. Me. No, okay, so yeah. I think I think I was reading through it, the um, the the ruling. She initially only in her initial lawsuit, she only wanted ten million. Her lawyers were fighting for twenty four, and the jury bumped that up to eighty three, split up between the different uh, compensation. So I think um, sixty three million or something was uh, punitive damages, and then the rest were. Was was the actual settlement, but still, man, man, the states is crazy. There's there's times that me and Chelsea wanna uh, move Arizona, maybe Southern Utah, be mm-hmm. nice. Not Texas. I would like Florida. I think Florida would be nice, but they they're a bit nuts over there. They're they're crazy, but we love them. Uh, yeah, if you're gonna come to the United States, brother, come to come to North Carolina. It's a good time. That's true. That is a good time. I remember we've 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 talked about food a lot. Oh yeah, you're home now. So how's how's the food? Sometimes I I lay at night and I think I'll, I'll you know I'll have a dream about being in Canada and having dinner with you know some people that I love and I think to myself, what the heck am I eating? <laughs> I gotta I gotta wake up and get the good stuff. No, um, it's it's not even close to the same. Because in the southeast states, everything's heavily seasoned. Everything's uh, I mean, a lot of these recipes have been around for generations, just passed down through the family for mm-hmm. different people. I mean, I don't know. It's great. Do you know where where's Outer Banks? So do you know where that is? You, yeah, I do. So it's in North Carolina. If you go to what's considered the North Carolina coast, um, and then you go out a little bit. There are these strips. They're more like sandbars, but there's this like strip of like sets of islands that are out there, and they're all connected by Highway 12. And they, in my mind, in my own opinion, they're the most beautiful beaches in all the United States. You've been there, uh, then, yeah? I multiple times. How far it's, is it from your house? So it shouldn't be this. It depends on what beach you're going to. Okay, but like just general general vicinity, if you could say, hey, uh, I'm in Outer Banks. Probably about five hours. That's not bad. Five or six hours. Okay. Um, it's not bad. The thing is that you got to drive south um, to the edge of the highway. Most of the time you'll get ferried over to the islands, and then you drive north, and you just go however far north you want to go. Are they, are they kind of like the, the, the boonies? Are they like the more... North you go, I guess. Are they are they more redneck? Like, are they more? Um, I think the further north you go, um, actually, probably the more populated you get. To be honest, hmm. uh, because you get closer to like, um, you get closer to Virginia, which has Virginia Beach and all of this other stuff that's going on okay. there. Newport News, and so, um, I think the further you go to like the edges, that's where you find the most people. It's it's in the center that you find. Um, there's still a lot of there's still a decent amount of people there, but it's not like overcrowded or anything. Interesting. So. Have you seen that TV show called Outer Banks? Actually, what was so funny was that it came out a few weeks before um, 
it, so in the southeast we have something called Senior Beach Week, which is what it sounds like. It's uh, right at, like either a week or two weeks after, after graduation, you and your friends will go to the beach for a week. And so for a week, that, but oh yeah, a week. Oh come on, a beach week's not. It's awesome, man. It's great. <laughs> it's awesome. We we don't have anything like that in Canada. Nope. No, no. We uh, yeah, we went to my buddy's beach house in Rodanthe, and uh, it was beautiful. We had the best time. And uh, while we were there, the um, the girls that were with us, they were like, "Oh, we want to watch Outer Banks." And we were like, "No, no, 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 no. We're not watching that. It's subject flick." At some point, uh, we just gave in. We're like, all right, we're usually, you know, steering this ship. We might as well let them win for once. And uh, I think we ended up watching the whole season, like, right there. Like, yeah. the whole first season. Like, we just cleared it because it, was, it wasn't bad. It, I, I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> it, it it's, it's a funny show because I think me and Chelsea, we watched it. And I think they have three seasons now. Or at yeah, least two. Like at that. least two. But it, it just goes down the hill. Like, it, it's it's a show that you can start guessing. It's like, of course you get caught. And of course you get out of trouble again, just in the nick of time. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Is it is it accurate? <laughs> like, would you say it's an accurate representation of Outer Banks, like the area and, like, the uh, type of people that are there? Kind of. I think it depends more on what beach you're on. I mean, what's so funny is that the whole thing was filmed in South Carolina. Are you so, serious? So it wasn't even it, it wasn't even it wasn't even Outer Banks. Majority of it wasn't actually on the Outer Banks. Majority of it was in South Carolina. Um, and then, like when they go to the university in the first season, I think that's at Chapel Hill, at, at University of North Carolina. And, okay. Uh, um, some scenes were from the actual strip, but I don't know how much of it was. So, but I I remember learning that like as we're watching the first season, that most of it didn't even take place in the Outer Banks. Interesting. So that, if that answers your question, so yeah. Well, Tyler, question. Yeah, I want to know more. I want to know more about you. I want to know more about uh, how you became who you are today. The lessons that you've learned, the the struggles, the challenges you've had to overcome to fight for either a will to live or just to fight for the success that you have now. Uh, give us give us some detail. Let's let's go in. A, it's not a Mandalorian. DeLorean. Let's go into DeLorean. Let's go back and let's see what life was like for T- Tyler Tilly. Yeah. Um. What like what in specific do you do you want to know first? I don't know. What What were the big things in your life that shaped who you are? That's a good question. I think that, um, primarily my home life, I think shaped a lot of who I am. Um, growing up. I we lived very close to all of our family. Uh, we, my mom's family, we all lived in the same town. We were all within ten minutes of each other, and so being surrounded by family all of the time, I think that you start to develop a lot more. Um, you put a lot more value on family. Um, my parents, uh, you know, got married. They're still together. That's not very common these days, especially you know here in the states, and uh, having both my parents home. They and so and also being the oldest of all the kids in my family, um, I think there were a lot of things that came along with that. That came along with being the oldest that I was maybe raised differently than the rest of my siblings. I see that a little bit, but my parents, I have the best parents in the world, hands down. I mean, I, I will argue to my deathbed about that with anybody. Um, my parents did a did a phenomenal job 
on and even on their first go and so I'm lucky um I think that my my one one of the biggest things that impacted me was my dad uh, my dad's my biggest role model hands down he uh he wasn't really home all that much he was home like it wasn't like he left us or anything but he was working so much to when my parents got married they were poor bro like super poor couldn't afford anything and my dad took it upon himself to want to build a better life for us and so he cut out a personal life he cut out anything and everything that held him down went out and got the job that he needed and worked ridiculous hours for several years and because of that we went from not being able to afford much at all to living a very comfortable life my dad kind of put us on his back and just ran and so um, like my dad's a machine and just watching that and how much he sacrificed I think that it impacted me a lot because I aspire so much to be like him um, I mean I was raised in a Christian home same as you and so uh, being able to rely on Jesus Christ and know who he is um, to know that he's my savior and that, and that if I were to go through anything in my life that he knows exactly what I'm going through and that he, that he can and will help me out with it, right? And so, yeah. No, it's tough. Um, I think, um, I say I think a lot. I'll have to <laughs> find a way to cut that out. <coughs> um, what are some of the struggles that you've had with being raised in a Christian home? I, th- there, there's times where I found people don't have any problems at all. It was just hunky-dory the whole time. Other times I've, there's, there's people who really have very large ups and downs and they're kind of on the fence and it's, you know, it's tough. And then other times it's just things happen, terrible experiences. And when those come up and you're talking about them, it's really hard. Like it's, it's really easy to like, I get it. I don't blame you. I get it. So yeah. where do you stand on that? Because it's not necessarily, I don't want to say it's not for everybody. There's a bias there, obviously, obviously for me and you. But how, how, how was that in comparison to the other challenges you've had, you know, outside of a Christian realm? I think that, really, I think that everyone has problems. Like, I think that anyone who doesn't seem like they have problems... There's better at hiding it than everybody else. Everybody's got some kind of struggle in this life. I mean, that's that's what the whole point is. I think that being raised in a Christian home, comparatively to you know the rest of my life and the challenges and the struggles that I've lived with, I really believe that um, I was held to a different standard than most of the kids that I was growing up with, whether it's school or out in out in, you know out in the world. Um, I was held to a much different standard in my house and outside of the house because um, of the way that I was raised with the values that I was given the morals and, and everything else um, and it was pretty high it's a, it's a pretty high standard to be held at and so and, I, mean, you, you, I mean before we before you keep going uh, that would be I think it would be nice to talk about being held to a higher standard I, I, the argument could be made that, that that's actually not helpful because you put all this pressure on, on kids growing up and you have these false beliefs that if you screw up, you're basically going to hell, you're done, there's no hope for you, 
Every, you know, you know what I mean. So, what what are your thoughts on that? I think that there are benefits, and I think you can also take it too far, holding you know your child or whoever to such a high standard. That Where does that come from? Does that does that does the the weight of that responsibility bear on the child themselves, or does that responsibility come to the parents who are leading the family? And, and in, in, in turn, setting those, those similar expectations. I think that it comes from the parents, and then in turn, they're given to their kids. Um, and I think in the different situations that your parents grow up in, um, they know what they want out of life. They know that what they want for their kids. And so they're going to do their best to make sure that that happens. Um, I think that because my parents set such high standards, I hold myself to really high standards which is, uh, can have you know, pluses and minuses. Um, typically, I'm always out going out for the best. I'm trying to give my best effort. I don't really settle for a whole lot of you know, halfway because I can know I can do better. Um, I think that the negative comes from when I fall short, you know, feeling that, oh no, you know, I've messed up. I failed, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, negativity that comes with that that kind of starts to seep in and so i think that you can not saying that my parents did but i think i i have seen kids that i've grown up with um that i've gone to church with who their parents took that way too far and these these kids kind of cracked under the under the pressure right and so i don't know i think i think there's both sides to it yeah well and then if you want to carry on with your thought before I stopped you. Oh, no. Um, I think that's really about it, honestly. And, and what's interesting that I find interesting is that I, you don't always have to find that type of expectations in a Christian or a faith-based household. I think depending on what you're exposed to and the challenges that are expected have bear similar results. Mm-hmm. So the homes that really have really high expectations, they usually crack and and overcorrect and go, you know, way left field. It's it's interesting. And like like you mentioned, starting from the responsibility of the parents raising their kids. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, I'm I'm a parent now. I have two kids. It's tough. It's very tough, and it's okay. Um, I can edit out some of these parts. What is your biggest failure to date, Tyler? Biggest failure to date? Um, wow, that's a really good question. I think that I think that my biggest failure to date has been, um, you know, there's there's the typical answer that you go, oh, I have so many failures, but I think that. My biggest failure is, I think that, uh, I have a few answers. Um, mostly I think that it's, it's, uh, allowing myself to have such a poor, um, self-image. You know, I have always, uh, with those high standards that were set, right, they'd be great. But I think that after, you know, over some time, because you're human and you're going to fail and you're going to make mistakes, you're not always going to do things perfectly. Um, you can start to develop a negative self-image, right? 
and that affects um, your attitude, that affects uh, your motivation, that affects everything, you know, going forward if you don't believe in yourself, right? That becomes a huge roadblock. Um, that becomes a huge roadblock. And then you start to become dependent on other things to, you know, help you to feel better, whether those things are positive or super negative, right? And that can take you down certain avenues. And it took me down different roads, um, whether that be, you know, addiction or to some other things. I mean, I have no uh, no shame in saying that I dealt with addiction for, you know, a couple years. And and I, and I and well, there were a lot of really hard things that came from that. Um, some of the positives were that whenever I came to Canada to, to work with people, I was able to help people who dealt with addictions a lot more than someone who hadn't gone through that personally could have. And so I think from that experience, that was great. That's what, one upside that I take. What, what, how, how do you explain failure? I think um, my image of failure changed over my, oh, over my life. Um, starting, you know, starting out, I think that the way that I saw failure was that um, if, you, if you made a mistake, then that was it. You're done, right? That's, that's the worst thing that can happen. It's so negative. Um, but, but now I see failure more as a learning tool. Like you can't learn if you don't fail, right? You have you have to fail um, constantly. You have to get something wrong constantly in order to get it right. Um, and you never really truly fail, like truly fail, unless you give up. Right, as long as you keep trying, as long as you're still working at it, you're fine. Right. Mm -hmm. um, failure can be used as a tool if you want to. Right. Um, if you do something incorrectly or you make a mistake, right. Most people consider that failure. But going back to self-image, what advice would you give someone who is struggling with self-image? If you want to break that down too, uh, like if you were speaking to people that had maybe gone down a similar path as you or can resonate with what you're saying what what would you tell them to get them to kind of where you are and and if where you are right now is that you don't have any of these struggles touch on that and if you do still have some of those struggles how do you fight through it how how are you forging your path forward i think that the greatest advice that i could give someone who is struggling with self-image is and this and this is going to sound super cliche but it's to go and find god honestly go and find jesus christ learn all that he did for you there's something that we believe in in our church called divine identity it's who we were you know it's it's that we're god's children it's that he loves us it's that we have infinite pot potential Learning who we are um, through the eyes of God, how he sees us, changes our self-image forever. Um, I think that I do still struggle with it every now and then. It, and honestly, the times that I struggle with it the most is when I'm not doing the spiritual exercise to stay close to God, to have his influence in my life, to be able to look at what I do and who I am through his lens, through his eyes, which, you know, 
when I start to falter in that way, that's when the struggles start to come back. What um, would you say to someone that really doesn't believe in God, doesn't have faith, struggles with body image, and really just feels like they're in a hole? Maybe they've tried, didn't work out. Yeah. You know, I think the, yeah. the, the, there's always an answer of, you know, yeah, just do it a little bit harder, you know, try a little bit better. But in, in the world where people are really just dying for any kind of sliver of hope. I know body mm -hmm. images. It's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's hard. I, I, yeah. I can't confidently say that I've struggled much, probably mm -hmm. a lot less than most. And, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to say that, but I, I feel for people that do struggle with body image. Yeah, self-image, it's hard because you, you see yourself as just less, right? Um, I think to the people who don't believe in God, you know, like you said, there are those answers that, oh, you just go out there and try harder. You know, he's out there. And, yeah, and the truth is that he is. Um, and to the people who have tried and hasn't worked out or maybe don't want to because they don't believe in him, right? Uh, I would say you've got to start somewhere, right? And a lot of that is starting with um, with yourself, starting with what you can control in your life, right? Um, if you get on the right path, controlling routine, controlling habits, controlling, I guess, hobbies, we were talking about that, relationships, like how, what you put into a relationship, um, once you start to see that you are in control, I think that can start a journey of where your self-image your, and your mental image starts to change. How dangerous do you think that it is leaving it unchecked like that? Just kind of scraping by? I feel, I would assume that that's a, a lot of time. I think there's people that are really struggling and I think there's a lot of people who are really excellent and have positive self-image, body image. I think there's the majority of people somewhere in the middle that are scraping by, mm -hmm. just kind of doing basics, having some wins, maybe more losses than wins, and it's just it's that endless cycle of ups and downs and ups and downs, and it's that's exhausting. It's the same thing with mental health when you are struggling with anxiety or depression. The ups and the downs, it's it comes to a point where you're like, I'm so sick and tired of this, and then you start thinking in the extremes. Mm -hmm. So what yeah. what what would you say? So having having shared your experience of finding finding god and developing a relationship with jesus christ that's that's helped you what what can you say to people that don't or are are not willing to go down that road i think to the people who aren't willing to go down that road um because i have a very firm belief that jesus christ can heal all wounds because he because he can right he's a living breathing god who loves all of us um but to the people who aren't willing to go down that road um yeah, I have to be able to find some of the alternatives. And the ups and downs are super exhausting. Um, for personally, where to start from there, I actually don't know. Because my only path that I've gone has been through Jesus Christ, and I found so much success through that, right? I couldn't imagine my life without Jesus Christ. I think that it would be exhausting, and that it would be way harder than it needed to be, right? And I have a lot of the people, like not everyone in my life is super religious. And so I see it in their lives too. 
There's kind of like a, there's a very exhausted look in their eyes, right? Just trying to get through life. But how miserable does that sound? Just trying to get through life, right? Um, I think that I think to the people who don't want to go down that road, um, I think once you start to, like I said, find control, um, but also to prioritize the things that are important, right? Family can be one of the greatest supports in your life. There are a lot of people out there who don't have families, right? Friends, you got to have a support system in your life for when times get super hard. Do you? I feel like it's helpful. I think Somebody, I think it's helpful in the right environments, but often your family are your biggest critics. And as much as they're your biggest supporters, they can be not. They, they, they can be some of the ones that you dread talking about it because they don't get it. They don't understand it. If you were the, the only one in your family that was really passionate about X, whatever it is, and they don't agree with it, so they're not going to understand it. And it doesn't mean that what you're doing is, 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 is bad in any way. They just don't like it. So how they, they wouldn't be your biggest supports anymore. So what would you do in that situation? Especially if, you know, say you struggle with anxiety and depression, body image, you know, everything. You have a really heavy backpack and you're going down a path that none of your immediate family approves of. You're alone. And, and say you don't believe in God and maybe it's not maybe your time to, to go down that road yet. You're alone. Right. And what so, do you do? What do you do in that situation? There's a, there's, a, there's a strength also that comes from having to, not having to be alone, but from being alone and really feeling that, um, I think that people have two options. Most people have two options. It's either I'm going to kill over and just, you know, let life kind of lead its course and whatever, or I am going to change this, right? Um, you sometimes you have to be your own biggest support. You have to learn how to do that, and finding that kind of strength, finding that kind of drive, it takes time, but it's so worth it. To me, it sounds like discipline. To me, yeah. that that describes discipline to a T. You being your biggest supporter, you have to get yourself out of bed. You have to make yourself breakfast. You have to go to work. You have to come home and continue to work to keep pushing that needle forward, to keep your dreams alive, essentially. Yeah. I, it doesn't like discipline. I, it's, it's, when you, it's when you find discipline that I think that you're, that's one of the times where you're the happiest. Because you find that course where you support yourself through most everything, like you said, getting out of bed and that kind of thing. Um, probably doesn't feel happy in the moment. Be I It seems I'm in a season of that currently. Me and Chelsea, our family, it's, it's get up and grind, hang out with our kids, bed, grind, day in, day out. We have one day Sunday and you know, even now where we're, we're approaching Sunday where we might have a breath to kind of, wow, that was a tough week. Lots happened. Lots of ups, lot more downs than ups. And, and it, it doesn't happy. Isn't necessarily one of the first words I would describe. I think that comes after because through that discipline and through all that grinding, 
when you ultimately get the results that you're looking for that you that you wanted that you were planning for you look back and go wow that was a good time that was a good time and for different reasons you're not you're not you don't have the results yet you're not there yet you're still hiking up the mountain you're not at the top of the mountain you can't really you know lay back and go look at this view but i think the the feelings of happiness come and it it probably comes in a big rush where you are just so humbled through your discipline and the, the happiness of seeing everything it's it's not necessarily happy because you are like it's a, such a beautiful view you're happy because you you made it you fell and you got back up and you and you made it so that's that's like year sometimes years and decades of hard work for one moment of happiness you can't mm-hmm. beat that and you can't make that up you cannot well you can and, and it's called meth but don't do it because it's not good <laughs> bad idea bad idea, bad idea. Um, <laughs> I think that the people who look back on their lives and, and you hear a lot of people who are at the end of their lives talk about this but to be able to look at, at look back on your life and say I did it that has to be the most rewarding thing really um, and I think it doesn't have to be just one big broad moment of happiness um if you can learn to find joy in the journey, right? Looking joy, looking for joy in progress. Seeing progress, like f- real forward progress in whatever field that you're trying to work in. That That's only, you know, that just brings more motivation to keep going, right? And that can bring momentary happiness and it pushes you forward. Mm-hmm. That's what do I you, thought at least. Do you have any regrets, Tyler? Do I have any regrets? Um, feels like that would be a word that would come up in this conversation regrets yeah I have regrets I do um, I have uh, I think everyone has regrets I have a, I have a lot of regrets um, I think some of the biggest ones were just looking in the wrong places to find you know once I had decided that oh I had failed and uh, you know so coming back from this oh this is terrible you know looking in the wrong places for for temporary happiness right because a lot of the things in this world give only temporary happiness it only lasts for as long as the buzz lasts or as long as the high lasts right um it it's and then when you come out of that the problem's only worse right because you've let this thing prolong you've let it fester whatever you're dealing with you haven't actually dealt with it and so having done that for uh, a few years at a time in you know years ago um, I think that I've lost some of those years that were super pivotal to, um, as like a, it's like a footing, it's like a head start, right? To learn, to learn it all younger rather than later on. Um, I'm glad that I'm learning it later on. I think that, um, and not being open and honest with myself with what I was going through and that I actually needed help and that I should have got out and sought for it, which I have, but much later in life than I should have, Right. I I find it it's a we, it's a weird it's a weird conversation to have when you're talking about regret because as you explained there's truth to saying well I missed out maybe a year or two of progress a year or two of development but you learned that lesson mm-hmm. people would say you learned the hard way 
So yeah. you regret doing it because there were maybe some negative consequences. But if you didn't do that, you wouldn't have learned the lesson. So having the conversation that we're having now, what, where does the regret actually stand? Do you regret how it felt? And is that the right word to say? I don't know if that I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but I think that I mean, it was a painful experience. Yeah. Um, but um, I think what helps is that I'm able to do stuff like this, and that I'm able to, um, like when I was in Canada, I was able to work with people who had gone through the same things, and I have learned that lesson. And so moving forward, um, I'm actually really glad that I learned it at such an early age because some people learn that lesson a lot later about where temporary happiness is what sources to turn to, um, how to transform yourself mentally so that you can go forward when you are alone, right? And not just, you know, roll over and let life lead you on. I bought yeah. a trailer. <laughs> bought a trailer. I regret that. Uh, Chelsea and I were living in Lethbridge and there was a, an opportunity up in the boonies, Lakeland area, so eastern Alberta. That's where we are now. And it was really hard to find a rental. Nothing really suited us. Um, we needed lots of space, more so than just two bedrooms, because we have two kids. And it would be nice to have an extra room <laughs> for, like, an office. Mm -hmm. um, so we ended up, we bought a trailer. It was summertime, so we were living between that and my parents' house. And then winter happened, and then we found a rental. <laughs> and now I have a trailer that I can't tow. Because I don't have a truck. <laughs> oh, man. I regret that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a regret. There you go. Oh, man. But, and you know, at the same time, I don't. And I think that's kind of what, sorry, uh, my initial thought was, even though I, I, I have the burden of the consequence, because I have to pay for it, monetarily, um... <laughs> But it got me here. That was that was the opportunity. That was the that was the option that we had. We thought about it. Probably not as critically as we should have. But things fell in place. Where I am today is was dependent on that decision that we made. Because that let us move there earlier. That there, so things when you when you if you believe in a in a divine intervention or if you don't believe in coincidence that everything happens for a reason call it fate whatever it's hard to really throw regret in that conversation because if everything happens for a reason yeah you you yeah it was uncomfortable you learned the hard way but you can't regret the lesson learned in most cases i think yeah i think that there's this uh the lesson learned is, is, is the whole reason, right? Um, there's this scripture that I really like. Um, I don't remember where it is, but it just talks about how all things can work together for your good, you know, with and through God. And I think that's true. Um, but I think, you know, if you read on and you read in the context of what of what that scripture is, it's basically saying that um, what, what you had said, right? There's a purpose behind everything. And... Um, I mean, do I, do I, in reality, do I really have any regrets? Probably not because of the lessons that I've learned. I've come out of those things better and stronger, whether, you know, mentally, physically, whatever. I feel like I'm, if something like that were to come my way, I'd, I w would feel equipped and prepared to handle it. And so, 
that and that's priceless right you can't beat that yeah you and you you probably draw lots of strength from your dad yeah watching him go day in and day out and to do the things that he does um whether for his job or dealing with us his family and and working with us um it's crazy. you guys are a handful we, aren't you <laughs> <laughs> Me especially, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got a house full of teenagers right now, and so there's a lot of times where it's great, you know, and there's a lot of times where it's jam-packed full of drama, and it's a hot mess, and so you're trying to make it work. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like little toddlers and teenagers have a lot in common. <laughs> I would agree. Drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super dramatic. It's, you it's didn't take me. off my crust. Baby oh. brother comes in with a, a big broomstick smashing the window. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Common so occurrence. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Life. Life. That's I love bringing people on like you on the podcast just because it's, it's you're very authentic. I know God's not necessarily in quotations for everyone. If if you've gone down that road, um, you've had experiences and you made decisions based off of those experiences. Um, we can't say that you're doing anything wrong. You have the agency to, to steer your life towards good values, good morals, and, and true happiness. And if you think that that's what you're doing, I wish you well. And I love you for it. You know, let let men worship how, where, and what they may. But I I, I love bringing I love bringing you on um, to share some of those experiences because it is authentic and it's 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 real. You're you're a Christian. You love God. He's a big part of your life. He he steers a lot of the decisions that you make, and you're not afraid. I feel, I, I just there's so much like right now in 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 the world. There's so many things that are taboo, and, and there's a lot of things that are not becoming taboo. And it's, 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 I think God is one of those topics where, you know, back in the day, it was everything. Everyone went to church, almost. And then there was a time where it seemed like nobody did. And it seems like there's, there's kind of, I don't want to say a movement, because it seems like it was always there. But to be able to speak openly about your faith whatever that faith is and just having a common conversation that, you know, God is great. The world is great. There's lots of terrible stuff that goes on, but we have to find strength somehow, somewhere. Um, but I have found too, that for whatever reason, it's, it seems like God is trending now. Like if you go on social media, there, there's so many different reels and stuff and, and just content that is like, like, like this reel, to get the blessings so that God knows that you, you know, I made he made this through me for you as if it was like a prophetic message yeah, <laughs> through, through deal. Instagram, you know? And then when you're talking about like divine inspiration, I do think that there's times where you needed to see something to get an idea. And I'm not saying that in that same, um, method or way where someone's trying to use it for clickbait. Mm -hmm. but just like seeing a quote and you're like, wow, like there was multiple times. There's multiple times that I've, I was really upside down having a bad day. And you know, I just opened Instagram and like literally the three first posts that I read were three back to back quotes. And I was like, wow, 
I really needed to hear that. And it changed. It changed my perspective. So, you know, I, I would I would say that that came from God. I don't believe in coincidence, but it, it's nice to, to see that we can have open conversations about literally anything, including God, and not really have to worry or fear mm-hmm. some of those consequences. Would you agree? I would agree. I feel like uh, people ask me a lot because I, I talk about God a lot, right? He's, he's just a big part of my life. I don't know what to say. Um, but people always ask me a lot the the why but behind because in a lot of the questions that I'm asked, he's a lot of the answers that I give, and so there's, so there's a why behind that. And uh, you had mentioned you know my own experiences, and the truth is that um, is that they are my own experiences, right? There's 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 value, there's weight on that, is that they are things that I've experienced through my life instances that I've gone through that um, you know there's I was surrounded by darkness and a lot of a lot of depths of just misery and just terribleness and my life was turned around like I think one of the biggest moments like one of the like most transformative moment in my life COVID had a lot of negative effects on people but there were positives that came out of it for me it exposed a lot of the mental stuff that I had going on that I had no idea I had going on and so I was able to address that. But I remember during the pandemic, during isolation, because I'm an extrovert, really just struggling. I mean, really struggling. And um, turning to, you know, substance abuse and alcohol and different stuff and just, just making a mess of myself. Fast forward, because um, lockdown started, for us, started in March of 2020. Fast forward to... Uh, December of 2020 you know I don't know what I was doing but I think that I was um, in you know in our house I think I was watching like Mission Impossible or some movie but I wasn't watching the movie I was just thinking Um, and over the course of those months I decided oh you know the God thing's not really working out for me I am more miserable than I've ever been in my life this is terrible I'm gonna go out into the world and try to find my own way to happiness and I tried to find happiness out there, you know, in different worldly things that uh, that I see other people trying, and they seem happier than I do. It didn't work. Yeah, I what I was thinking about when I was sitting down on the couch watching that movie was how I was more miserable than I'd ever been before. Like I, I'm I'm off way worse than I was when I started. How is that even possible? Like. I really thought this was going to work, and it just blew up in my face. Now I've got terrible habits. I'm sleeping in, staying up late. I'm eating junk. I am way overweight, uh, and I feel terrible about it. My, my, you know, I try to distract myself because I don't want to be in my head because I don't like my thoughts because they're dark and um, self-destructive. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I could dive in with that at a way later time. But I remember just thinking and thinking what. Where did I go wrong? What changed initially to, to get me here? Why am I more miserable? And it clicked. I don't know when, but the thought came to me, it's because I pretty much cut God out of my life. I pretty much just severed the, the line between me and him. I, had, I wasn't reading any of the scriptures. I wasn't saying any kind of prayers, really. I mean, except for like open meals, maybe. 
but it wasn't anything sincere. It wasn't a real conversation. I wasn't doing any of the spiritual, because it is spiritual exercise, right, to maintain a relationship with him. And as soon as I realized that, I had gone, in my mind, back to when I first decided that I'm going to find my own way to happiness is the famous phrase, right, that I hear a lot of people use. And uh, to those people, I say good luck. And I, what, I, what I had realized, what my problem was, was even then, I still wasn't giving it my all. I was doing everything halfway, especially my relationship with God. And that was the issue. And so I, you know, I, I was praying. Well, at that point, I, I paused the movie. I started to pray. You know, what am I going to do? And I started to read the scriptures. There's this quote um, from one from someone in leadership from our church. And uh, basically, he said, if you want to talk to God, you pray. If you want God to talk back to you, you read the scriptures. And so I started reading the scriptures, and I said a prayer, and I was like, you know what, God, I hear all the time of people having these miraculous experiences where they just flip open the scriptures, and boom, there's an answer, this big answer that they've needed this whole time. And uh, I basically told myself, this is the moment that I'm going to decide, because I was 18 at the time, technically an illegal adult. And with that mindset, I had said, this is the moment where I'm going to decide if I'm going to do this for the rest of my life or not. I'm very much all in or not or not at all. And so I finished my prayer. I said, give me a sign. I said my prayer, which is a terrible thing to say. <laughs> and uh, it's a really bad idea. You don't want to do that. Um, but I flipped over the book. And um, I, was, I was in the Book of Mormon. And this, uh, the Helaman 3 was the first thing that showed up. And, it, and, and in Helaman in 3, what's going on is the people are prospering, the church is growing, things are great, la-di-da. And I was like, okay. And then chapter 4. Chapter 4 talks about destruction. The enemy tribes have come in, destroyed everything. The church is in shambles. Everything, everybody's super wicked. It's just terrible. And I was like, man, kind of sounds like my life. And then I got out of chapter 5, and Helaman 5.12 basically says, that if we build our foundation in Christ, the foundation of our lives, he uses the analogy that our life is like a house and our belief, our core beliefs, are our foundation. When we build our foundation in Christ, we can't fail. It's impossible. And I felt the Spirit so strong when reading that. It was like he was in the room. And, and then I prayed. And to me, that was the moment when... I knew that not only did he still know who I was, he was still he never left me. He was always with me. But that he was never gonna leave me. He still loved me. And he his arms were outstretched and he was ready for me to come back. The moment that I decided to, he was ready to work with me. And I decided that wasn't the moment that I was gonna do it. And so over the next few months, I slowly, it wasn't easy, but I worked to clean myself up, get right with not only with God but with the people in my life my family my friends I was I was an a, I was a straight A student my whole life I was failing most of my classes at that point um, for that first semester I was getting my grades back together um, doing better in my job put in an application to serve a two year mission for my church and you know we, we met through that and so it ended up being pretty good but uh, through that mission experience my life has been changed forever. 
And, you know, that moment being so integral in my life, it's changed everything because I look at life differently. Not only do I know that he's always there for me and that I can always rely on him, but it makes me think, maybe I do got this. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I can do this, right? And looking how much I've changed in just the course of, I think it's officially been two, no, it's been three years. In the last three years since I've decided to clean up, it's, you know, nothing, nothing's perfect, but everything's a lot better, right? And so, you know, that's, that's one experience. That's just one. Yeah. And I've had many. That's amazing. And so, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that uh, conversion story, Tyler. I appreciate that. You, you said that you're passionate about music, too, in another I conversation. Am. That's cool. That's cool. I, I remember we had a conversation, and on the topic of chasing your dreams and turning your dreams into a reality, that's, that would be so cool. That would be so unreal. Yeah. Yeah, it would be cool. I heard someone recently, um, I, I, I recently I had seen a friend, uh, not more nowadays, he's more like an acquaintance, somebody I went to high school with that I knew. And he was a nice guy. And I knew that he was trying to make it in the music world. He was making uh, beats, he was producing music for people, and people were paying him to do it. And he was just trying to get his name out there. And so, seeing him in the grocery store, you know, two years, three years after we, I think it's three years after we graduated, maybe it's more than that. No, yeah, it's three years. Uh, it's like, whoa, hey, you know, how have you been? And he's like, I'm good. What are you up to? And he just says, I'm still trying to make a name for myself. I'm still going. And I, and I was happy for him. That was yeah. a good moment. So, I in a different setting, I was talking about seeing that guy, and they're like, oh, yeah, what's he up to? And I'm like, he's still doing the music thing and one one guy was like oh that's ridiculous and I was like what he's like oh come on like really he's trying to make it in the music world like that's like one in like a hundred million like how many people actually make it and he's like I just feel bad for the guy when he wakes up one day and he he's like 38 and he realizes that he hasn't had a real job in his life and he's he's got to abandon ship because he's not going to make it he's got to go out there and try to pick up the pieces and all of this and it's like well I, I, it, it kind of it was it conflicted me a little bit because absolutely like, well dude think think about this 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 goes hand in hand with the conversation we had about supports sometimes it's family and sometimes it's close friends so why mm -hmm. would you rely on your friends to support you if when when the going gets tough they have that response because it sounded like that guy knew the guy that you got the, the music guy yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, surely he needed to quit by now. It's like, are you serious? Mm hmm Are you serious? So what, mm -hmm. what, what are you saying about me then? What if I told you my goal? I'm like, hey, I want to I wanna go do this. You're going to have the same response? You're not going to believe in me anymore? I don't want you. Why would I have you in my life if I know you're not going to support me? Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of just shut my mouth. I was like, oh, well, I'm done sharing. <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, think, even think about that. Think, like, I think an easy example is like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the gym every single day. And uh, you know what I mean? If you start slacking, do you think he's going to come pick you up and drive you to the gym? Probably right. not. Right. 
He doesn't believe in your goal. If you said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose this much in in this many months," yeah, right, buddy. You're not gonna do that. Like, why? Why would you? Why would I invite you? Why would I be anywhere near you? That's such a dumb thing to say. That yeah. is a terrible attitude. That's gonna get you nowhere in life. Yeah, I feel like. Sorry, I, I don't mean to to dump on your friend, especially if no, they're listening. No, no, but. No. Uh, that's a that's a dumb thing you need to fix that. Well, the thing is, like, I feel like for some people, um, there's different motivations to react that way. I feel like for some people where they're coming from is that they feel like they themselves couldn't achieve their dreams. And Absolutely. So yeah. So jealously they want to tear, tear somebody else down. And I think for other people, especially family, if you have some dream and dreams can be wild, right? That's the whole point of having a dream. You have some kind of wild dream, and you're determined you want to make it come true. Um, and there's and the thing is, there's high risk, high reward, right, with wild dreams, and it's important to have them, especially at a young age. If you're if this is something you really want, you're determined to go, you go and you try, and then when the going gets tough, some family members like, oh man, come on, like, like it's over, like you've got to try something else. I think for some people, it's like. I couldn't do it myself, so I'm going to tear you down. But I think for some people, it's also like, let's like you you're you're risking too much at this point. Like, it's time to hop back in the safety net of quote unquote the real world, get a real job, start a real family, do this, do that. And I hear that I hear that a lot from that uh, makes me want to vomit. Just different people, you know, because um, they because they don't want to see you like get to an old age and like realize oh I you know quote-unquote wasted my life because I never really made it my dream didn't come true I don't have any money what were you living for then what what kind of I I I challenge that because I I think them people saying that that second that second person example that you were saying I I I don't fault them I don't think that they have uh, anything sinister behind what they're saying or how they're saying it I think they mean it in good faith but respectfully shut the hell up and that, that no, what what life is worth living if it's not a life that you want to live? If you want to be a musician, because that's that's actually that's actually what you want. You've thought about it. That's really what you want. This is your purpose. This is what you've been called to do. If you're not living a life like that, why? How? What? What is the point in living? Yeah, get a real job. Start a real fan. Like that. That's all just garbage that's just filler words those are filler episodes that don't mean anything you get to the end of the season and you go what what actually just happened what, what even happened there, like nothing happened like and there could have been 20 episodes I don't even re- really remember the whole point of this whole season so getting to the end of your life now you're 80 and you're, you're now gonna like tell me what you did in your life Tyler well I uh, worked in the mines for this many times. You know what I mean? And it's, I'm, it's not bad. Getting a, a quote-unquote real job. I don't believe that you should stay in a, a job like that if it's not what you want. Sometimes it bankrolls your 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 ambition. Sometimes it, it pays the bills and you need to do that. Because I think you need to be smart. I'm not saying be dumb. I'm not saying, you know, go move to L.A. and, and just, you know, try to wing it. There has to be strategy. There has to be plan. And you still have to go chase that wild dream. 
So there is a harmony and a balance and there's a way to make that happen. But I don't, I can't, I can't stand when people say stuff like that, where it's like, well, it's time to throw in the towel, get a real job. You can do it later. Like this isn't the end. It's like, that's, that's not the point. That's not the point. Me doing that is sacrificing my dream. That's sacrificing the life that I want to live because the life that I want to live is I want to be doing music and I want to support my family. Well, I want to be compensated well for my music because that's what I love. And that's what I'm called to do because my message, my music that I'm going to put out to people makes a difference. So don't, don't try to infiltrate my dreams by telling me to settle at something illegitimate or settle at something half-ass. I don't know. Sorry. No, it's fine. I hear what you're saying, man. I do. I really do. It's uh, very optimistic. I think, uh, yeah, I'm passionate about music. I love it. I uh, I haven't done anything with music in the last you know month or so mm-hmm. just because I've uh, you know I've been I've been home for you know for people who don't know I've been home from Canada in North Carolina for the last month um, and so it's been a weird month coming home and adjusting back to home life and adjusting to different stuff um, looking for a job I just got a car all that stuff um, it's kind of just slipped away from me but I think that. Um, I don't know. I am passionate about it, but it's, there, it goes to back to what you want. Yeah, right. I was using you know as a placeholder as an example. I know we had chatted that you 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 love music and you were passionate, but that like your your ambitions change as you develop, as you get more experiences. You go, whoa! I still love music. There's still a place for music, but I don't I don't want to be the music man. I don't want to go down that road because it's. It's not actually what I want. I want to do this. So, and that's the whole thing. Building, shaping your life with a vision of what you actually want to do, but being careful because the people around you do not understand it the same way that you do. Because whether you fail or succeed does not impact their life the same way that it does you. You have everything at stake. Mm-hmm. Them, they're just, they're, they're an NPC, a non-player character. They're always going to be there. And yet they have some emotional investment in you because you have a relationship to whatever degree. But I don't know, man. I just go chase your dreams. You have to be ruthless. You have to be selfish and you have to be smart. And there's there's a time and place and there's their strategy and it takes lots of hard work. But, you know, the getting a real job and just, yeah, no, that boils my blood. <laughs> I, I hate that. I hate that. I will die yeah. on that hill. It's, that's against everything that I stand for. And it's just, I don't know, it's tough. When you ask someone who's, who is successful, who actually did, this is what I want to do, and they went and did that, you go, you go talk to them. You go ask them. How many times did you feel like you wanted to quit? A million. How many times did your family tell you to quit? Five million. Did you listen to either of them? No. Are you happy that you didn't listen to them? Yes, because guess what? Now they have the results that they wanted to begin with and they've made this huge transformation and now they're, they're happy because they're living the life that they actually wanted. And they, like, again, that, that conversation we had earlier, going up the mountain, you're not, soaking in the view is only part of it. You're reflecting on the challenges and the hurdles that you had to break through in the journey. That's why you're happy because you, you, you saw it through. Don't give up on yourself just because it's difficult. Just because you don't know how to do it or it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it's not possible and doesn't mean that you're not capable of doing it. 
the only thing that matters is it has to be what you want and truly want. I've said this a couple times too, right? When people say, well, what's your dream car? Oh, it's a Lamborghini, right? It's like, sure, it's a cool car. But when you're actually thinking about it and you actually have to pay for it, do you actually want a Lamborghini? <laughs> right. If you do, yeah. great. You're not going to have a problem. But when you really start thinking about it, you're like, yeah, well, probably not. I might be okay. I, I think I just want this. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like the, the, the clearest example. But if that's what you want. But then, then that's, if that's it. what you want, you're going to go get it and you're going to be so happy that you have it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't yeah. matter what anyone else thinks. Just, oh, we could talk about this for freaking hours. <laughs> I think it's, we could. The thing is we could. That's why I hate family dinner sometimes because people come and they just say the dumbest things. And you kind of have to look and smile at them. And think, no, oh, I don't. Okay. I stir the pot. I, ca- I cause chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I, I try. I I do all the time. I try not to with my own family because I have to live with them. But that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Give it a give it a couple months. <laughs> give it give it a couple months when I'm in my, when I'm in my apartment and so I can just. All right, well, I'm going home. This has been great, guys. <laughs> Thanks for the food. I have some leftovers. Thanks. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, well, Tyler, yeah. I, I really like. I said I really appreciate you being so candid and authentic. Uh, sharing a little insight in your story, how you became Tyler Tilly, how you're becoming Tyler Tilly, the battles that you've had, uh, sharing some inspiration and some guidance on people who might be having some similar thoughts as you. And uh, again, I'm just I'm, I'm grateful that you're not uh, afraid to share your faith, to talk about God, to talk about Jesus. There's there's a place for you there's a place for all of that and uh i'm glad we crossed paths i'm glad that uh you're here and uh you are a true inspiration tyler i really appreciate you thanks lewis it's uh it's been a ride you know but uh i'm glad that someone on that ride that we were able to meet and uh it, it, it was weird when we met because it's like I, I know you from somewhere i knew you man i don't know it's yeah it's weird i've never, like yeah yeah we've never met before but but Never we, before, we knew but each I, other. I know you. Yeah, I know you, bro. And so, um, but it's been good. Thanks for having me out. Yeah. Well, we'll have you on again soon. We have, uh, this, there's a lot we could probably talk about. So oh, yeah. until then, thank you, Tyler. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Keystone Collective Podcast. We hope you've been inspired, learned something new, and discovered ways to elevate your life. Remember to subscribe and share the podcast. Our journey is just the beginning, and I can't wait to bring you more transformative content. Until next time, remember, every episode is a stepping stone forward to a better you. Stay strong, stay curious, and remember, it's a great day for a great day.